Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Well, very sadly in life, uh, for for a lot of people, more people than one would hope for, they go through traumatic experiences of one form or another. And that was certainly to for uh, my guest, uh, Juanita Headley. Good morning to you, Juanita. Good morning, Blair. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's, it's a pleasure. Now, Juanita, obviously uh, you, had, you had a very, very traumatic time between the ages, really, of, of four uh, and ten. Do you just want to say briefly, you know, what happened to you? Certainly. I was the unfortunate victim of childhood sexual abuse by my mother's first husband. It began when I was ten years of age, and it started with tickling. And I recall actually saying to my mother that my stepfather was tickling me and his hands had slipped. Unfortunately, my mother told my stepfather off and she told me off and she said, don't let it happen again. Subsequently, it continued on and I was a victim of attempted rape for six years of my life. In fact, the sexual abuse would take place during my sleep and as a result of that, I have suffered with insomnia and sleep issues ever since. One thing that's important for me to point out is that every victim and survivor's story is different and my stepfather groomed me. Therefore, in the daytime, he would give me special privileges, let me stay up late, give me candy, let me watch television after hours. And what I will say is that when I was a victim of abuse, my stepfather did not discuss the abuse in any way, shape, or form. He would simply abuse me whilst I was sleeping. And so in the daytime, it was like two different people. In the daytime, I was very close to him. He was my best friend because I was being groomed, and then in the night, I was a victim of attempted rape. Now, obviously, as you said, you, you were four when all of this uh, began, and, and you were saying that, of course, a lot of the abuse happened you know, whilst you were sleeping. Uh, how, did you, how did you come to realise that, that something was not quite right? Because obviously at four years old, I mean, how did you compute what was happening to you? I believe that because my mother had given me the strong foundation of explaining to me that nobody should touch my body parts, And I believe that most parents do have that conversation. Sometimes, however, I feel that parents, because they're uncomfortable talking about sex, they would say, for example, this is your cookie pumpkin butterfly. My mother didn't use such language. She said, these are your private parts. Nobody should touch you. And therefore, when the abuse began with a tickling, I communicated immediately to her that I believe as a four-year-old, when my mom told me, don't let it happen again, I believe when it did, I subsequently decided to say nothing further and it is unfortunate because I seem to have not allowed it to happen of course not I was a child and a victim but I allowed myself to remain silent when I could have spoken to her and it's sad that that has happened but I am convinced that despite what I went through as a child that the Lord has given me a story and a testimony and as it says in the Bible what the enemy intends for evil God intends for good. Mm. Well, obviously, we'll talk about about the book, of course, that you've uh, released in. Trin- I think you were in Trinidad and Tobago actually for the, the release, and I, I know that you've, you've you've been in a number of countries, and you're you're obviously doing some things in India, and you aspire to do a, a great deal more, which we'll talk about a, a, a wee bit later on. At what point? I mean, obviously, a lot of people who have trauma, whatever that trauma may be, find it very very difficult to tell anyone and in fact very sadly people can go into uh, adulthood and, and even go to the grave not having shared some of the terrible things that have happened to them uh, do you think that maybe we're moving into into times whenever people are a little bit more confident at coming forward or or is that still an issue do you think i feel that things are changing especially with the 
aid of social media and the fact that we do have individuals, even some celebrities, who do share that they have indeed been victims and are now survivors. And I feel that things are gradually changing. And in the West, there seems to be less of a stigma attached. However, in saying that there still is in certain communities a blame culture of looking at the victim survivor and saying that she led that to happen or he caused that to happen because we do know that boys get abused as well. But then at the same time, because of the advent of technology and the fact that things that were not okay in the past are now becoming acceptable, that there may even be individuals who are abused but don't realize because the types of things that are happening to them are in mainstream movies. And so we have young women and girls who do indeed watch pornography and they want their partner to rape them, to be quite honest with you. And that's because of what they see. And so therefore there are some individuals who may go through experiences and believe it is normal because of what mainstream media is portraying. But then at the same time, I feel certainly in the West that we are becoming a lot more open. We are more willing to share because we're seeing that others are sharing the empowerment that comes out of it. And sometimes people feel, I have a story I want to write a book. I want to protect others. And then there are other individuals who even go into this line of work because of what they have personally experienced. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. Juanita Headley is my very special guest today. And you heard there uh, earlier on in the programme about half between the ages of four and ten, uh, Juanita was uh, very sadly abused by her, uh, her, her, her mother's first husband. And that went on for some uh, considerable time. We're going to talk a wee bit about the book, and, and obviously, can you keep a secret a wee bit later on, Juanita? But can I just ask you, because I think you were you were in your teens whenever uh, faith became very real uh, to you. T- tell us something about, about how you became a Christian. Certainly. When I was growing up, my mother, although she wasn't a Christian at the time, she's originally from Jamaica, and she believed that train your children in the way they should go, and when they get older, they will not depart. Even though she may not have known the Word of God, she believed in that. And as a result, I grew up in a Baptist church in North London. And I was attending the Friday Club. I was attending church on Sunday, Sunday school. And when I was around 14 years of age, they asked if I would like to become a Christian. And as I was young, and just being honest, I was impressionable, I agreed to do so. However, I will say making that decision was certainly the best decision I could make. Now, because I do talk a lot, as my friends will say, it took about two years for me to go through the devotional book that would lead me and educate me on the decision I'm making. So although I was young, I didn't blindly go into being baptized by full immersion. I was taught and I was explained, and I understood the decision that I was making. Unfortunately, due to some incidences in my past that I experienced, I decided that now is the time. In other words, in short, the Lord spared my life because of something that had happened. I could have died or been paralyzed. And so I decided that I wanted to give my life to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit. And so in doing so, I said, I'm going to have baptism by full immersion. And I just gave myself over to the Lord. And the rest is history. (laughs) Once I became baptized, I got involved in the youth group. I got involved in the praise team. I got involved in the choir, in fasting and praying. However, I will say... Although Malachi chapter 3 encourages us to tithe, it says when we give 10% of our income, the Lord will open the windows of heaven and give us so much blessing that there is no room in our storehouse. Despite knowing this and hearing about it, it was maybe even seven or eight years later before I actually began tithing faithfully. 
And I can say even up to today, I tithe as a, as a cheerful giver. Now, of course, uh, a lot of your time these days, you've been given voluntary, certainly over these last eight years, you've been volunteering mm-hmm. to go. To, in fact, not, not in the UK, surprisingly enough, because am I right in saying that your, your roots are in the Caribbean, uh, but you were born in the UK uh, and obviously spent quite a considerable amount of time training as an attorney at law. Uh, now, did you, did your, did, was your law training in England or did you, or, or did you do some of that in the States? I actually studied in the United Kingdom after having completed studies in Switzerland. So in fact, from around the age of 17, I moved to Switzerland for two years. I trained to be a chef and I had the privilege of working in the United Nations in Geneva. I then returned to the UK to become a crime scene investigator because I was a huge CSI Vegas fan. However, in reality, I found it incredibly boring. So I decided to study law. Five years later, I graduated from university with a law degree, decided I wanted to become a California lawyer, but to do so, I was required to take the New York bar first. I took the New York bar on two occasions and failed. On the third occasion, I did not want to take the exam, and I told my mother I don't want to do it, and she said, try again, I'm sure you will pass. Just before taking that exam, I said to God, directly through Jesus Christ, I said to him, If I do not pass my exams, I will become a missionary. By the grace of God, on the third attempt, I did pass. Having never studied in the United States, I self-studied in England, never studied in America, never been to school in America. On my third attempt, by the grace of God, I passed. I've been a qualified, albeit unpaid, fully pro bono New York attorney. And by the grace of God, that has given me many opportunities to take my message of empowerment around the world Because beyond being passionate, I also have a qualification and people are more willing to listen to what I have to say because I'm an attorney. And so I certainly thank God for that. Truth be told, my passion is food, cooking and baking, but I love to defend, I love to protect and I love to advocate. Well, of course, you could have had a, a very lucrative career in, in a sense as, as as a lawyer and whatever strand of law you would have went into. And I and I guess in in a way, what you've chosen to do is actually to become a missionary because because the message that you've been taking uh, to places like Trinidad and Tobago and so on is is obviously uh, helping people a to understand what people go through uh, when they have to deal with, with, with abuse and and also you very much linked with 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 your faith. So God works in strange ways doesn't he Juanita absolutely yeah I definitely agree with you and that's what I find quite interesting because although I made that statement to God it was almost like you know God if I don't pass this is what I'm going to do exactly what you've said I believe for the last almost eight years I've been a pretty much unpaid missionary so I would definitely say that although I have my attorney's license I have also been serving the Lord full-time walking on water life and experience burning bush fiery furnace and it has been an amazing journey with the lord mm. can i just ask you because did you ever get any sort of inner healing ministry for because obviously you you were carrying what happened to you for for a, a long long time how did you begin to, to 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 reconcile all of that that happened to you did did you have any specific counseling or or was there you know what happened to you I will say, whilst I was in university, I did actually go to counseling. And when I was younger, before being baptized, I did go to counseling. The sad reality is that on each of those occasions, they would ask me, how is your day? And I will say that because I talk a lot, I can spend the entire 50, 50, 50 minutes talking about my day. When I went to the counseling at university, I was advised 
wrongly to fornicate, to get over the abuse. As a strong believing Christian, the Bible is clear about celibacy, sex after marriage. Mm. And so that advice was wholly inappropriate. However, the good news is I have been to Trinidad over the last four years. I have two Christian counselors, the first time I've ever had Christian counselors in my life. I go to both counselors in the same week, so maybe one on Monday, one on Wednesday. But what I will say, the first time I went to these counselors and I discussed not how is my day, but I was actually asked in both of those meetings, I was asked specifically about the abuse in the first session. The very same week, I actually had a dream about my stepfather. It was not an incident that had occurred. In fact, it was a nightmare. What took place in the dream was not a reality of my experience, but it was almost futuristic. He's now deceased. He died some years ago. But having this dream for me was fantastic because I felt like clearly they have touched a nerve. Unfortunately, I'm in the UK, but I will say I am currently doing long-distance therapy with one of these counselors. And whenever I return to Trinidad, I go for face-to-face counseling. But I will say that it has not been enough. I've only been going ever so often. And throughout the years from the age of 10 until now, I have not, by the grace of God, I've not had serious counseling to deal with the trauma But despite that, the Lord is still using me because I believe that the Lord does not use the qualified. He qualifies the called. In the Bible, he is an adulterer, a murderer, a person with a stutter, an alcoholic. And so even though I still may have dysfunctions in the eyes of the world, the Lord is enabling me to do a great ministry despite that. But I do earnestly want that inner healing that can come through the Lord and the Holy Spirit and or through a human counselor. Now, obviously, that you said you love to talk. You make a good radio presenter because obviously it's a very important quality. You know that we we can talk and we can share. For you, <laughs> for for you, uh, I, I I'm you. Obviously, God has gifted you to be able to share, and I know that you have a real passion at the heart of you to to make sure as be, as best you can that people have an awareness of things like self. You know, sex trading and some of the uh, and and abuse and many many other things and of course you mentioned grooming uh, and so on. At w- at what point did the door open for you to be able to do that? Now, obviously, you've already said that these days you spend quite a bit of time in Trinidad and Tobago. Do you have family connections there? No, that's what's so amazing about the story. In fact, what is so beautiful about this? If I did not choose my journey, and even in the Bible, many of the Bible characters read about, they didn't choose the journey. For example, six years ago, I met a lawyer, and he invited me on his radio program. Now, I was coming back to the UK, so I said, sure. We did a few interviews pre-recorded. I was incredibly nervous, but I just made it up as I went along, and I left there feeling, wow, this is exciting. A year later, I actually got a full scholarship for a communication course that taught me everything I need to know about communicating. For that entire year, I practiced everything I had been taught. Exactly a year later, I was invited, all expenses paid, to Trinidad and Tobago. I spoke at a judge's conference on human trafficking. In my personal opinion, I wasn't very good, even though the judges said I was, but I knew I wasn't. (laughs) As a result of not having a paid income for almost 80 years, I asked a friend, do you know anybody who can host me for free? And they said, sure, you can stay in this guest house for free, but in return for that, you'll need to speak on trafficking. I spoke for a week. I enjoyed it so much, even though I was really not very good, and the children were bored, and even I was bored when I was speaking, I decided I would like to stay a week longer. I extended my stay a week, continued to speak, and when I would speak outside of schools, for example, at churches, 
I would receive donations. I believe in Malachi chapter 3, I type 10% of everything I get. And although I've had almost eight years without a pay job, I tithe almost every Sunday. After taking 10% of all the money I received, the remaining money that was left over was exactly enough for me to fly back a week later. I came back a week later. All the money that I received, I typed 10%. The remainder was exactly enough for me to come back the following year. And it has been like that ever since. What's quite interesting is the year before coming to Trinidad, I did a program on human trafficking in New York for lawyers. They had mistakenly wrote my name as a speaker, Juanita Headley, speaker on human trafficking. I was kicking and screaming to my mom. I said, I can't speak. I don't know anything. And one year later, the rest is history. And I really look back on that and say, when they wrote my name, mistakenly, that was prophetic. I didn't choose to be speaking on the TV and the radio around the world. I didn't choose that. People say I'm a speaker. I don't feel I'm a speaker. I just have a gift that the Lord has given me. And I have a message that I want to share with the world. And no matter what platform I go on, Muslim station, Hindu station, no matter what platform, I always talk about Jesus. I've even had five-minute interviews on the television. I still bring in Jesus. And the best part of the story is because I've had seven and a half years unpaid, people ask me, how do you survive? And I talk about Jesus. And I think that's amazing. Well, I suppose it's where the rubber hits the road. Clearly, uh, if anybody wanted to talk about faith in action, then you're the person to talk to. Because obviously the the lifestyle that you're talking about, God's provision, has been a a road that you have walked for for eight years. That's That's some considerable time. It has been very difficult, I will say that. But personally, my faith has grown. There were times I had no accommodation. And I would say to God, just as I'm speaking to you, I'd say it in my head or sometimes out loud, God, by 9 o'clock tonight, I need you to provide me accommodation. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. The Lord wants us to be specific, to be direct. When Jesus was with the woman at the well, he was direct. But what I love about that story is that when the Lord spoke to her and she left, my theory is she ran around, hi guys, I'm fornicating, but the Lord has saved me. Hi guys, I'm fornicating. In other words, Despite the Lord taking a speck out of her eye, he did it in such a loving and wholesome way. The Lord is direct, and I take that from him. I'm direct, too. And so I communicate in honesty and transparency, and I still, as believers, we have an obligation to not be a light under a bushel, but to be a city on a hill. And so whenever I have the opportunity to share and to minister, I take that. I believe the Lord has a plan and a purpose for my life, and my desire is to live out my life in a way that pleases him, so that when I do go to meet the Lord on my gravestone, it will say, well done, good and faithful servant. It will not say attorney, changing cases, well done, good and faithful servant. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. My very special guest uh, today is Juanita Headley. For those of you who have just joined us, Juanita is an attorney uh, at law. Uh, she spent the last uh, eight years of her life literally by faith um, sharing her message around uh, how people uh, need to know the facts about about sex trafficking and about grooming and all the, the those things. And sadly, uh, she experienced herself between the ages of four uh, and ten. Now, Juanita, obviously you've taken taken all your experiences and you've put them into a book, uh, which is uh, Can I Keep a Secret? Now, why, why that title? Well, with regards to Can You Keep a Secret, it comes out of my own personal story. When I tried to disclose that I had been a victim of sexual abuse, unfortunately, when I asked the question to my grandfather and my aunt, Can You Keep a Secret? They responded, It depends. 
And so as a result of their response, I did not tell them what was going on. What's quite sad is that I spoke to my grandfather on multiple occasions, asking the very same question, and his response remained the same. If the dynamics was different and anybody came up to me, even if I hadn't survived sexual abuse, and asked, can you keep a secret? If I responded, it depends today, and they walked away, and they came back a week or month later with the same question, and then walked away, I would start to think, maybe they want to tell me something. Let me change my response. I feel it's important for people to understand when that question is asked, you need to respond affirmatively to allow the person to open up to you. Some believers consider it to be a lie, and I say it is not a lie, because you can keep a secret. The question is, can you keep a secret? And yes, you can. But of course, for you to hear the secret, that's when you can make a determination about what to do. And so my desire is for people to answer yes to the question, hear the question, and then to respond to that individual, I have to break your trust and call the authorities. Don't call the person, I heard you've been abusing your stepdaughter Juanita, because they will obviously deny it and hide the evidence. When that question's asked, you say something affirmatively. Let me know what your secret is. This is a safe space. You don't have to use the word yes. You've just got to use affirmative language for that child or person, because even adults ask, is it confidential? Will it stay in the room? Respond affirmatively. Allow them to disclose. Once you've heard it, tell them, I have to break your trust. Don't just run off and call the police, because they might deny it. There'll be trust issues. Explain to them your next steps first, and then take those next steps. Because what often happens, unfortunately, when a disclosure of abuse comes out, people hear the disclosure, are usually shocked by the disclosure, especially if they know the abuser, then they tell the abuser what they've heard. He or she, because women do it too, deny that they abused, and then nothing is ever done. And so that needs to change. Now, obviously, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, certainly, um, I, I know that many, many people, and I, and I have sadly known some people myself that, that have carried things into their, or really into their old age, uh, mm-hmm. th- things that have happened to them, like you, you know, when they were children. But they've always been very fearful to share, uh, partly because, of course, I think predominantly because of not being believed. Um, yes. and, and sadly, that, that is the case, isn't it? And many times that, that, that people, particularly if it's shared within a family, people want to, for different reasons, you know, want to protect the family, want to put, brush it under the carpet or whatever. And if that's mm-hmm. known, you know, if that's known to a child or, or, or whatever, then obviously they're, they're not going to disclose. But I guess that the, the, the cost of not disclosing is carrying a great deal of shame and guilt and pain pretty much all mm-hmm. the days uh, of your life on, until you get to the point where you, you can share. What, what advice w- w- would you give? I mean, people, there may be people listening to this who are in exactly in that position. We need a, you know, that, that stuff, mm-hmm. stuff has happened, but they have just for whatever reason not felt that they could ever share. Mm-hmm. I feel that it's very difficult to know who to trust. So I would certainly recommend if a person wants to disclose the safest place, I believe, to disclose would be, for example, the Premier Helpline, even Samaritans, a safe space to be able to express what has happened to you. Because if you call Samaritans, I used to work for them myself, if you disclose to them, then they may be able to point you in the right direction if you decide, I want to take it further. Because one of the difficulties in the disclosure not coming out is that person may go on to reoffend. 
So, for example, with my stepfather, he was never arrested. He was never charged. In the eyes of the law, LAW, justice was never served. And therefore, because of that, he would not have a criminal record. He would not fail a DBS. He could then get involved in employment with children and go on to perpetrate that abuse again. I appreciate when you've been abused, it's very difficult to talk about, especially as a young child, to discuss what you've been through. It's very embarrassing, humiliating, degrading. It's very hard. I would say if a person believes someone in their life has been abused, ask closed questions. Ones that they can answer yes or no or by nodding. Don't ask them to disclose what has happened. That is often very uncomfortable. Even amongst adults and teenagers, discussing what they engage in sexually, even though they shouldn't do it outside of marriage, discussing that with others is difficult. What about if you've been abused? It's even harder to communicate those words, especially when we are uncomfortable even saying the word body parts, private parts. And so I would say if you've been a victim or survivor, find a safe space to communicate that so you can get the help and the support so that if you do have the courage, you can then go to the police and something can be done to protect other victims or future victims. And if you suspect it, ask that individual closed questions and allow them to open up. But you have to be prepared if they do confide in being abused. You've got to be prepared to accept that what they've said is true, believe them, allow them to speak to you freely without feeling judged, and then go off to take the next steps to protect them. That is really, really important. Yes, and I, I guess it's that fear of not being believed. And of course, the other thing, as you said, that sadly people who abuse are often prolific abusers. And then, of course, there's this awful practice of grooming uh, that happens, mm. which again, of course, is where where you know uh, perpetrators are are grooming children over sadly over the internet and in so many yeah. many many different ways. Uh, how, how can you spot? You know, again, uh, this is advice that, that that maybe you'd give to parents that they could share, you know, with their children or whatever. But but how how can you easily spot that this sort of thing is going on? What sort of behaviours should we be looking for, well, for example, in children? What I would say with small children, some of the signs and identifiers may be regressive behaviour, sucking the thumb, or wet in the bed. Now, it's important to note that a small child may sometimes display sexualized behavior, and if they're not exposed to that through having an iPad or phone, you've got to ask, where is that behavior coming from? Because I know of a child who was five years of age who was sexually abused by her cousin who was three. The question is, where did this three-year-old learn that behavior from? Some children who've been abused don't even know it. I know of a young girl who had flashbacks and did not remember she'd been abused, Another child had been abused from one to six months old and didn't know it. Now, with older children, some of the signs and identifiers, low self-esteem, obesity, insecurity, uncomfortable with their body, excessively on the computer, excessively bathing, not bathing at all, running away from home, few friends, anger issues, STDs, unwanted pregnancy, what we have to understand, when a person is pregnant at a young age or outside of marriage, we have to understand that that pregnancy may not be as a result of promiscuity or sleeping around. It may be as a result of incest or rape, because I have met survivors who actually have given birth as a result of that. The sad reality is that in certain churches, we don't talk about the topic of sex, and we shun those who get pregnant 
without knowing the circumstances in which they conceived. Similarly with STDs, I know of a young boy in Trinidad who would get to school early and then have sex in the back of the classroom. Now, when people hear that they may judge him without realizing he was sexually abused as a child by his nanny. The Bible is very clear, it's very true and very relevant, and it says, do not awaken love before it desires. When a child is displaying certain behaviors, let, let's think about toddlers who pull down their skirt or their pants and find it funny. Sometimes us as adults will laugh. I personally don't find it funny, because for myself and many of us, we were taught how to dress and undress in private. Whatever behaviors you see, if that child is cutting wrists, suicidal ideation, if that child is depressed, whatever you're seeing, ask yourself mentally why. Try to uncover the root cause. The Bible speaks about trees and branches and fruit. By their fruit, you will know them. When you're seeing certain behaviors and characteristics in a child, ask yourself mentally why. Don't ask the child, because maybe they don't realize why they're behaving that way. But ask yourself why and try to dig and uncover the root cause for their obesity, the root cause for them running away from home. Once you discover the root, you can help that child uncovering that so they can get the help so they can have a healthy and whole life. Well, Juanita, thank you so much for uh, being my guest on the program today. Now, obviously, all of, of of the information that you've shared in the program, and of course, a great deal more uh, is, is in your book, uh, Can You Keep a Secret? How do people get a, a hold of that book? I, kn- I know that the way you, you, you work is, uh, because it's very expensive to put things on Amazon and so on, it's much better if you supply uh, the book, whether it's electronically or in a hard copy, but, uh, but obviously, uh, you know, a, a donation towards... Uh, the work and particularly to to enable you to share this message you know I, I know that you're wanting to do much more sharing within the united kingdom as you have done overseas and you, and you want to do much more in terms of supporting people so is it best for people to go to your your website or your facebook page most definitely i would really appreciate people to reach out tell me their story tell me their secret if they know of platforms anywhere in the world including throughout the uk i can speak on this topic Please reach out. I speak free of charge. My book is available for purchase. They can find it on the website. And just one final thought, too. If people can pray for me, the Lord has got many plans for me. My, one of my dreams is to build safe houses in the Philippines that is number one for cyber sex trafficking. And therefore, 60, that's six zero, 60% of profits raised from the sale of my books will be used for building these safe houses. I also sell T-shirts. The message I have is important. I want to change and transform lives. And I will tell you, and this is a secret, every chapter in my book has scriptures, and the longest chapter is on salvation. The blessing is that this book is in a remote village in Indonesia where the community is full of Muslims, and they have my book. My book needs to go far and wide. I'm planning to fundraise and sell my books. I'm planning to fundraise and also donate 1,000 books all around the world and put it in the hands of people in remote villages in India, in the Philippines, in Indonesia, especially those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be educated, empowered, and by the grace of God, they will come to know him as their Lord and personal Savior. So please do support. And, and yes, absolutely support Juanita and uh, enable because obviously you can be helping to stop a great deal of pain uh, in in somebody's life. Now that website is www.changingcases.com. 
www.changingcases.org www.changingcases.org or if you just uh, put in your Facebook uh, channel uh, Changing uh, Cases that will uh, that will connect you to Winita. Winita, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.